Welcome to episode 211 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we love our listeners, and we love hearing your stories. Today, we have a good one. Then, even if you never plan to do a thru-hike, you can still scam some of their best gear hacks and incorporate them into your next overnighter. Next, a gear review that will outfit you in the toughest clothes on the planet. And a hack that's as easy as sticking a piece of tape to a tent pole. All this, and that's about it. Today, on the first... 40 miles. Well, we're just a few weeks away from the final episode of the first 40 miles. Episode 214 will come out on the four-year anniversary of the beginning of this podcast. Uh, Over the years, one of the great things for us has been hearing from our listeners. We hear from First 40 Milers on Facebook and Twitter as they share their experiences, some pictures, the trips they've been on. And we especially love the stories that we've gotten off of the story page on our website. People who have taken a moment to record their story. And we've heard a lot of listeners say that they feel so connected to us because of the stories that we share. And we feel the same way that through hearing your stories, we feel more connected to you. So there's something magical about stories, and we love that we've been able to incorporate more stories into our podcast over the last couple of years. Today's story is from Matt. He's from the UK and shares his experience cowboy camping for the first time on a beautiful island filled with birds. Hey, Josh and Heather. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm speaking to you from the United Kingdom. I just wanted to say that I've really enjoyed listening to the first 40 Miles podcast lately, particularly as the presenter of my own podcast and as a real podcast enthusiast. I listen to a lot of the back episodes of your podcast. In fact, I've been uh, kind of binge listening to them over the past few weeks ahead of a camping trip that I went on last week. I went to Lunga, which is an uninhabited island on the west coast of Scotland. It's part of a small archipelago called the Treshnish Isles, just off the coast of the Isle of Mull uh, in the Inner Hebrides in Scotland. And whilst it's uninhabited by humans, it's replete with seabirds, which is the reason that I was there for the week. I was there surveying a seabird called the Manx Shearwater, which is nocturnal, lives in burrows, and spends the winter in Brazil and comes back to the UK to breed. And the UK is home to the vast majority of the world population of this seabird, which is why we were doing a census of their population on the island, the first one that's been done since the year 2000. It was also one of my few camping experiences to date, and it was my first ever experience of wild camping. And so more than anything, it was really reassuring and helpful to listen to your podcasts and hear stories of wild camping including tips about equipment or ways to enhance the experience. And thanks to your podcast and also the incredible surroundings, it was one of the best weeks of my life. And I think sleeping under canvas, being kept awake by drumming snipe and 
uh, croaking corn crakes and the wailing of the seals and waking up to visions of puffins uh, bobbing about on the sea made it such an incredible experience. And it was uh, it was fantastic to sit in the abandoned stone buildings that remain on the island in the evenings, having dinner then going out to catch some puffins so as we could ring them and then rounding off the night with a small glass of scotch as we watched the sunset. So I wanted to say thank you very much. Your podcast has been really helpful in helping me to prepare for my first wild camping experience. And I'm looking forward to doing lots more camping in the coming months and years. And I'm going back to the island again in the middle of July to do some more seabird surveying. We'd like to thank Matt for sharing his story. And if you're interested in listening to his podcast, it's called The Wild Voices Project. For today's top five list, we'll be talking about the top five thru-hiker staples. Now, most of us don't have a thru-hike in our future, even though we would love to do one. However, there's a lot that we can learn from this rugged, spry group of mile pounders, especially when it comes to gear. Thru-hikers really settle on the gear that's going to stand the test of time. The stuff that they can carry with them the entire season, from beginning to end, thousands of miles, that's just going to work every time. And it's amazing, there's certain pieces of gear that the majority of thru-hikers carry because they've all discovered that that's the perfect piece of gear for that thing. Yeah, like when you see them on the trail, you don't even have to ask, oh, are you section hiking or are you thru-hiking? You can just tell that they're thru-hikers because they all have these certain things popping out of their pack. Also, the guys on the trail tend to have a beard that's like eight inches long. (laughs) And the number one thru-hiker staple is the Sawyer Squeeze water filter. It's lightweight, it's cheap, it's easy to use, easy to maintain. It's only a little bit more expensive than the Sawyer Mini, which we reviewed on the first 40 miles. However, we've heard that it has better longevity than the Mini, which is why a lot of thru-hikers are gravitating toward the Squeeze, even though it's a little more expensive and a little heavier than the Mini. And the reason that you can tell that they're all carrying the Sawyer Squeeze is because of the number two through hiker staple, and that is the Smart Water Bottle. Now, it's funny because this isn't really a piece of gear. You can't buy the Smart Water Bottle by itself. You have to buy it filled up with water. It's just bottled water, and it's cheap. It's like $1.30 for a one-liter bottle. It's one of those tall, skinny, rounded bottles. They're ubiquitous. They're versatile. They're tough and you can screw the Sawyer squeeze right on top of the smart water bottle. And even though smart water bottles are technically disposable water bottles that you just buy and throw away, through hikers don't throw them away and they'll go for many hikes, maybe even years with the same smart water bottles. The number three through hiker staple is the Thermarest Z Light Sole Pad. This is a closed cell foam pad. It takes seconds to set up, seconds to take down. It's lightweight, virtually indestructible, and can be even cut down if you're trying to save on weight or if you want a custom-fitted sleeping pad. It's also under $40, which makes it a really attractive piece of gear. The downside is that it's a little bit bulky, and it only has a 2.6 R value, which kind of puts it right in the middle of the pads out there. So it's a great summertime pad, which is usually the time when thru-hikers are doing their thing. Most thru-hikers just strap it onto the back of the outside of their pack. It's very light, so, you know, with it hanging back there, the bulk doesn't really matter for them. 
I thought about some reasons why thru-hikers go with a closed-cell Thermarest Z-Lite pad. Uh, one, like you mentioned, it can be trimmed and, and cut to whatever shape. You certainly can't do that with an inflatable pad. <laughs> Number two, they know that no matter what, it's going to work. It might get some holes in it, might get scuffed up, but with an inflatable pad, after you run out of patch kit patches, you're done. You, if it deflates, there's just it's useless at that point. And so I think they like that dependability. And number three, I think they like the fact that they don't have to sit there blowing it up at night. Many thru-hikers will come rolling in after the sun has set. They just head to bed as quick as possible after eating some food. And then they're up at the crack of dawn and out on the trail before you even know it. So having a pad that they don't have to blow up or deflate the next morning really saves them time. Some people will not use a closed cell foam pad because it's so uncomfortable. They need their squishy sleeping pad. So I think it's something that you have to get used to because on my first backpacking trip, I really had a hard time with the pad that I used. It was one of those blue, I don't know how much I spent. It was like $10 at Walmart. Oh, it was those terrible. ones are awful. Yeah, and I feel like the Z-Lite sole or any of those egg crate style pads that kind of are bumpy are way more comfortable than the flat blue roll-up pad that you get at a big box store. Um, so anyway, on my first backpacking trip, you and I ended up switching because I think you had one of the Thermarest pads that was the Ridge Rest, right. which provided a lot more comfort than my blue pad. So thanks for switching. Um, and then on our trip this summer, I ended up using the Z-Lite sole and found it to be very comfortable, which means either I've changed or that the Egg Crate style pads really are more comfortable. I don't know, maybe a little bit of both. It's a very unscientific statement that I'm making, but I found it to be comfortable and I slept well on it. When it comes to food, the number four through hiker staple is top ramen. Some of them cook it, many of them don't. They just soak it. They'll crush it up and stick it inside of a peanut butter jar, put some water in, and then go hike. Then they end up with kind of a rehydrated noodle. You can't do this with regular pasta. You can only do it with top ramen. But yeah, it rehydrates and ends up being edible. And there are those who just crunch on it as a snack. Can't do that. But I heard from one of the thru-hikers that we talked to that Top Ramen was her number one favorite meal. It's fast, easy, cheap, ubiquitous, and it never disappoints because, frankly, the standard is pretty low. <laughs> kind of like how McDonald's never disappoints. You know what you're getting when you go in there, so you're never disappointed. The number five thru-hiker staple is what I'm going to call the uniform. So for the most part, they always have shorts, and sometimes if it's cold, they'll wear tights underneath it. Uh, for some reason, they've adopted the trucker hat, which must have some purpose. I never got an answer about that, but it's part of the uniform, but a hat is important. And the other thing was minimalist running shoes. All three of these components were part of their uniform. And something interesting about the shorts, how many thru-hikers did you see who were actually wearing quote, hiking shorts. They were all wearing just athletic shorts. Yeah, nothing special, no uh, special pockets or like a place to put your trekking pole or anything like that. Just cheap athletic shorts. I think it's interesting that so many thru-hikers were wearing this uniform, that you could tell they were a thru-hiker by what they were wearing. 
And any subculture has this, you know, a uniform tells other people that you're on the same team. So I thought it was a really interesting way of staying connected with each other, even though they were spread out by tens or hundreds of miles, that when they saw another thru-hiker, they would know it's another thru-hiker by what they're wearing and some of the gear that was attached to their back. It kind of makes you feel that connection and camaraderie. It's interesting. The uniform helps you to stay connected with each other. So it was fun to meet so many Pacific Crest thru-hikers on the trail. Fun to check out their gear and see what they were doing that we could apply to our next backpacking trip. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing Rail Rider Hiking Pants. The reason I was so intrigued with the Rail Rider brand of clothing is because they claim to be the toughest clothes on the planet. And I think their clothes have a lot of unique features that make them especially suited to backpacking. And Josh and I were able to test out some hiking pants. We didn't share them. He got a pair and I got a pair. (laughs) But anyway, for a structure, some of their hiking pants are treated with an insect shield permethrin treatment. This is a commercially applied permethrin treatment that lasts a lot longer than any home applied permethrin treatments. This makes your clothes bug proof without having to put any of that stuff on your skin. It's all on your clothing. So they have some really great options for hiking pants that are permethrin treated. The pants that we tested out were nylon, which meant they breathed and they dried quickly. The Rail Rider hiking pants also have a gusseted crotch, which means you're more free to move. They allow movement, and that's really important with hiking pants. It's another reason why jeans have kind of fallen out of favor. Jeans don't allow much movement. Yeah, they're durable, but it's really hard to move in jeans without being pinched by the thick material. So for utility, the Rail Rider hiking pants had some really great features that made them perfect for backpacking. They had deep pockets, which means things weren't going to fall out of your pockets while you're hiking. Another thing I liked about the pockets is that they were reinforced. So the area that gets the most tug when you're putting things into a pocket is completely reinforced. So you're not going to have that give out while you're putting things in your pocket. The pants that I tested out actually had two zippered pockets in the back, which means that anything you put in those pockets is secure. I mentioned that the pockets were reinforced. They've also reinforced the knees and the crotch of the pants, the two areas that are most likely to uh, tear if you're doing any kind of climbing or hiking or, you know, crouching over to make dinner. So I love that those areas are doubled up and reinforced without feeling bulky. For mass, depending on what size and what pant you get, It's going to be around 10 ounces. These are not heavy pants. They are very lightweight, which also means that they're easy to move in. For maintenance, just use your standard washer and dryer, or you can wash them on the trail in a Ziploc bag with some water and a little bit of soap. For investment, the price ranges anywhere from $69 to $110, just depending on the pant, depending on what's on sale. For trial, Heather and I each wore a different style of Rail Rider hiking pants on our Pacific Crest Trail hike this summer. First, the sizing was really easy. The pants that we ordered came perfectly sized. Um, Even if it's a little off, these pants have those uh, little adjustment tabs in the waist. So that really helps, that you can get a pair of pants that you can be pretty confident that on your first try, you've got something that's going to fit. 
Uh, we've had other brands of pants where we've had to go back two or three times, and sometimes even after two or three times, we just couldn't find the fit. I think my pants were maybe a little bit on the baggy side for me, but I'm a pretty skinny guy. But they fit well around the waist and in terms of the length of the legs. Mine were treated with permethrin, and I didn't have any problems with bugs. We were worried about bugs on this hike because we heard from our friend who went on the first week, and he said the bugs were awful. So uh, it's great that we didn't have any problems with bugs. Now, I really can't figure out if that was because I was wearing the permethrin-treated Railrider pants, or if it's just because we were in a different section of the trail and bugs weren't going to be a problem anyway. Did you have any problems with bugs, Heather? Because you were not wearing the permethrin-treated pants. Right, but I treated all my clothing with just permethrin from a can. So, yeah, I didn't have any bug problems either, but yeah. So either the permethrin works fantastically or uh, there just weren't very many bugs. Um, I really liked the pocket layout on my Railrider pants. Lots of options for different pockets to hold different things. And like you said, some zippered, some not. So I really felt like I had all the options available for whether I wanted to slip my camera into a pocket and have it easy to get to, or I wanted to put something in my pocket that I knew was not going to fall out. Um, I felt like they were really well designed in terms of the pockets. You mentioned that your pants felt a little bit baggy, but I think this is a really important feature in hiking pants. The pants that you wear every day, you're not going to be doing a lot of moving in them. You're going to be doing a lot of sitting in them. But pants that you go hiking in, you want there to be air ventilation. You want to be able to move in those pants and squat and feel comfortable in them, not feel like you're restricted at all. And so I think there's a reason that they were built with a little extra material because they're not your everyday pants. I mean, they could be. You could definitely wear them every day. But for hiking, for backpacking, having a little bit of give in there, I think is really important. Real riders claim to be the toughest clothes on the planet, and they have a devoted audience. It's really interesting. It's kind of like this, uh, I don't want to say cult because that sounds <laughs> weird. But yeah, just a devoted audience. People who love rail riders, people who... Uh, aspire to owning rail riders, and their stories are on the rail riders website. And for good reason, these are really tough pants, really tough clothes. We just tested out the hiking pants, but um, they're definitely well built. They feel solid. They're comfortable, so they don't feel like you're wearing canvas pants. They're lightweight. Um, they also have lots of variety, like different cuts of pants, and they also have lots of different natural color choices. So color choices that will help you to fit into nature, kind of blend in and not stick out. So the Rail Rider hiking pants were easy to move in, easy to care for, tough. So go check out Rail Rider's selection of hiking pants. They have lots of different options for men and women, and you can find the link for Rail Riders at thefirst40miles.com slash 211. For today's backpack hack of the week, using reflective tape to mark your gear. When it gets dark, it's really easy to get disoriented and lose track of where your campsite is. And sometimes this happens after you set up camp and you're going out to get water for the evening or you're going out to use the bathroom or you just kind of want to check out your surroundings. The darker it gets, the easier it is to lose track of your campsite. So, Reflective tape stuck to your gear can help you find your site again. 
So you can stick reflective tape to your tent poles, to your trekking poles, to your pack, any other gear, so that you can find your way back to camp after it gets dark. Then, on your way back to camp, simply shine a flashlight in the general area, and the things that you've marked with reflective tape will light up. Gear Aid makes a super durable reflective tape, so do some other companies, and it's a really inexpensive way to kind of provide that extra level of protection and make sure that you can find your camp, even if it's dark. And if you're lucky, you may even have reflective features built into the guy lines in some of your gear. I think it's really smart. Hammock companies are doing this, tent companies. They're using cordage that has reflective threads woven into the cordage. It also makes it so you don't trip over your guy lines at night. This talk of reflective tape uh, reminds me of an episode way back, episode 20, where we talked about pranks that you can play on the trail. (laughs) And reflective tape plays into one of those pranks. I like this one. So this one is the spooky eyes prank. You put a couple small pieces of reflective tape out in the woods somewhere and make sure that uh, you can shine a light on them from camp. And then you can spook your buddies in the nighttime by saying, hey, do you see that out there? What is that? See those eyes? Cut them out in circle shapes so they look like eyes. See, reflective tape is great stuff. Then we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from Kelly Winters, and this is from her book, Walking Home, A Woman's Pilgrimage on the Appalachian Trail. She said, when you walk, you know the distance you've covered in your tired bones, and it's impossible to go so far that you lose the thread of continuity between there and here. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. <laughs>